Hey guys, we're back for Cinematics. Uh, very quickly, Eric Holmes, what do you got for us this week as far as your interviews, who and what? Thanks for doing all the interviews that Bruce and I don't want to do. What what you got for us? Uh, we have an uh, interview with the uh, writer and director of The Dirty South and the directors of Love Virtually. Okay, first off. Actually, The Dirty South, Greg, we both did one of those, right? No, you're not supposed to say that. That's off the record. Yes, we, oh. we did both. We did Matthew Yorby at separate times. I really love the fact that it, it's a personal film. We reviewed it on our Cinematics Review show. So check it out this week on episode 215. Listen to that for our takes on The Dirty South. Spoiler alert, we both recommended it. Yeah, so I, I like Matthew Yorby as a person. I'm looking forward to what he has to say. I'm going to put that stuff over on our Find Your Film podcast. But Eric, do you remember anything about your talk chat with Matthew that stood out for you? I was kind of just curious on what his, uh, what is like, he's from, I forget the name of the small town he's from. It's somewhere in Lu- Louisiana, right? Am I right? Yeah. On this yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, he's like the area that he's from. There's not like, it's not like someone growing up in like LA or Hollywood or someone, or like even New York where like, there's a bunch of opportunities around you. He's like in an area that there's no opportunity. So I was really curious how he was able to even get the movie done, you know, let alone get the ball rolling. Um, so we talked a little bit about that, and uh, he's he's pretty uh, pretty cool guy, as you might might expect. And just uh, before we get to love, oh yeah, well let's get to love. Actually, who are the people? L, what's L? It's a guy named Ellie something, and then love virtually. Love virtually, my fault. Yes, yeah. I talked with uh, the writers Chesson Mizell and Ellie Stamen, and uh, Ellie Stamen directed it. And stars, I, in I it. get. Yeah, and stars in it. Uh, subscribe. That's a thing he says in it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Love Virtually is kind of, uh, I, I kind of sort of reviewed it and somewhat described it. You just got to watch it. It's It might not be for everyone because it's, I think it, 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 at its heart, it's a comedy. Um, is and, it a Bruce Perky movie, Love Virtually? Is he a virtual lover of Love Virtually? What do you think, Bruce? I, I've said it before. I know Bruce finds me funny, but I don't know what he <laughs> finds funny in movies. Wait, Bruce, do you <laughs> find Eric Holmes funny? Yes. I mean, yeah, I, I like I like See? Eric Holmes' comedy See, is... stylings. They're very, very awesome. Uh, but then again, I just found a it, no, no, but funny, again, so. you can stop there. That's fine. <laughs> I listened to the interview, Eric, and. Bruce, you have another couple of stuff to put in the box. We'll talk about that in a second. I forgot what those movies were. I'll I'll write it down and we'll put it in the Google Doc. But what I found interesting about your interview with these guys is the fact that they're buddies. One of them was living in L.A. The other was living in Florida. Global pandemic. And they said, hey, let's just get together. Let's write a script. We don't have a ton of money. But still, let's make it a live action 3D film, 3D animation film. So I thought that was very ambitious. And I yeah. love those questions you asked. And also, uh, I'm a big fan of Sherry O'Terry, and she wasn't like, like she was, I think there's like three or four different love stories going on here, and hers and Steve Tobolowsky is one of them. It's probably one of my favorites in here, but I love Sherry O'Terry, so anytime I get to see her in anything is uh, exciting. What about Steven Tobolowsky? Was, is, uh, you know, he's always good. Was he? Oh, oh yeah. Ample? Yeah, for, for sure him too, but I, I just focus on Sherry O'Terry because like Steve Tobolowski always seems to pop up. So like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get to see him for some reason, like Sherry O'Terry, like I, I haven't looked at her IMDb, but she seems to miss me a lot. Uh, not that she misses me personally. She didn't know who I am, but like uh, her, her, <laughs> she, 
she comes out <laughs> like, like like puppy dog pals she was in puppy dog pals and stepping into the holiday i've not seen those but i probably should because sherry terry's in it and i love her and eric her why do you keep on talking you're supposed to be watching the marvels right now correct i i, I got <laughs> so we get done here i gotta watch it's a wonderful knife and then go uh watch the in what, what do they call it the mcu as if that's supposed to be a thing but yeah <laughs> I, th I think Bruce, right, i think man, eric I should punish me but for putting loving the marvels tax on him he should give me a movie that i have to watch no matter what maybe down the road i uh, love virtually you have to see love virtually i okay i will touche i will request a link and i will watch love virtually i promise and i i don't bruce was gonna say don't listen to greg's promises because he has promised a couple times and he has not come through <laughs> on his manodrome-esque promises okay that's it oh before we go i just wanted to add so each week, listeners, if you want to listen to interviews, Eric's interviews, this is our feed for on cinematics. Eric will be manning the all of these interviews. So a lot of these are insightful stuff. And then also manning a really big, important part of cinematics, which unfortunately, as an archivist myself, I've ignored. And Bruce has taken the mantle to actually put a lot of these movies on our Google Doc. I will put them on our official website, findyourfilm.com, so you can look at all of the movies that Bruce has put placed in the box. Let me just say right now, as of this Google Doc, there are 56 movies in the box and there are about 15, wait, wait, 10 or 12 films that he has yet to put in the box. My question to you, Bruce, by the way, listeners, if you have movies you want Bruce and Eric and me, because I'm jumping into the fray now too, to watch, uh, check out Bruce's What's in the Box, hit him up via our Cinematic Facebook group, community or hit him up at bruceperky at gmail.com bruce the big question is i looked at the box i looked at your box we're a clean family show <laughs> what happens <laughs> right right eric what happens okay when if we start you get all of these movie recommendations on the box will it ever get uh Overflowing. Could you fit everything in the box? I mean, I can. You could fit a lot into a box. I'm just telling you. You know, it's it, it fits more than you would think. Um, okay. But I can always get a bigger box if I have to. Okay. All right. That's that's. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not too smart. I'm like that guy from Manager. I'm not not very smart. So tell us what you guys think of Eric's latest interviews. There's two this week, and then I think there's going to be two next week. There's going to be a, a guy named Jonathan Quartus, the director behind and writer, I believe, behind what Eric. My heart can't beat unless you tell it to. But well, that's also the name of the movie that he wrote and directed. <laughs> there you go. There you go. They're very, very dry wit, Eric. And then finally, we have that other director who you talked to, Terrence Martin. That'll be Terrence available Martin. for next week. Yep. Yes. So look for more interviews here for Cinematics podcast feed. Thank you so much for listening to Cinematics, our review, once a week reviews and our interviews as well. Signing off now. Bruce, any final thoughts? Thoughts? Uh, I just want to ask the question that everyone else is asking before the interviews begin, and that is, Greg, are you practicing Movember right now? How's the mustache looking, guys? What do you think? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I've tried to be like Bruce and Eric all of these years. I have failed. I, I, I thought it was – Eric, is this, is this a different look? Eric didn't even notice. Thank I, you for I, 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 don't, I don't know what Movember is. Oh, this one that, – that's when mo, – mo, with the thing with the people grow the facial hair i think oh so. okay yeah so as to support what I, I think like what is it breast cancer bruce i i'm i'm could be wrong or... i think it's like male um cancers and stuff like oh male cancer and yeah. other kind of stuff yeah so 
Yeah. I don't know if you're supporting or you know what you're doing. But I just I wanted to I just wanted to check on that. I mean, I'm just doing a pre-Santa thing myself. <laughs> I'm going to be ringing a bell in a month, so you know I got to make some money. Bruce like grow facial hair. Sure, I guess. Well, I, I, I look, literally nothing. We could. I was thinking instead of the cinematics crew. Along, I consider Anderson part of the crew. By the way, I wanted to call it the Mustachio Trio. So that could be another name moniker for our podcast. You know, down the road, mustache. Because I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna rock the mustache. So, so huh. I'll have to shave all this, but leave all of this. Yes, yes, please. All right, Bruce. What what say you? You're the logic. Do we all go mustache? And you could you could be with Santa, but do you think me and Eric do the whole I mean, mustache thing? If we do that, we got to all go Fu Manchu's. <laughs> we just got to. <laughs> I'm well, not sure a connection here though. Or like yeah, I don't here. have too much of a connection. I just I know like kind of grow pieces everywhere. Pieces, you grow the pieces. Oh, this would be interesting. You grow the pieces and I'll grow the I'll cut it so I have the opposite pieces. So we're like <laughs> it, listeners also very quickly. I know you can't see what we're doing, but check out our cinematics YouTube as well. We are gonna have our podcasts available there, not just on Spotify and all your podcatchers. I am putting all of our cinematics episodes up on our cinematics youtube channel check it out we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers i should have mentioned that on the main show but hopefully yeah, thank you guys. should have done that i, sh I should, should have, have done, done so that. many things but i'm gonna show just up now. clip this out and put it on the old show oh <laughs> lot so, of good ideas lot bruce of good what's ideas. in the box anyway eric was implying that i do a hatchet job on a lot of the editings which i which i do but that's inside baseball we love you guys check out eric's interviews and most importantly check out these two movies Love Virtually, not actually, Love Virtually, and what's the other movie, Eric Holmes? Right off my bat. The Dirty bat. South. The Dirty South. Tell us what you think about these movies. Tell us what you think of cinematics. Thank you guys for listening. Take care. Bye. Why can't we be friends? <laughs> Kimberly? If it's so come much on, easier. I need you to come with me tonight. We're going out. Well, we got a feeling. Do you know who Calvin Cluck is? Calvin Cluck, Subscribe. He's not good for you. The girl I love is going into that club tonight. What's going on, ladies? You have tickets? Duh. Well, can I see them? If I don't get in there, I could lose her forever. Yeah, because you're kind of a little bitch. Okay, don't say mean things to people. Where are your parents? My husband hasn't touched me in months. I would touch you all over eggplant emoji. Everyone's like really mad because I didn't post a black square. Why would you post something like that on Blackout Tuesday? It was a paid ad from a sponsor for a mud mask. So my wife is having an affair with an AI. Hi, I'm Chatbot. Do you love him? He really gets me. He created a dating app with an allergen algorithm. You may need to sandbag. You downplay your looks and your celebrity in order to attract someone who would love you for you. You want me to come to your party? Find me a date. How about her? She's wearing a KKK shirt. No racist, man. Let's meet for real. VR. I don't feel like I'm your priority. Nothing is more important to me than... I'm so sorry, I gotta take this. No, we're having an affair. Yeah, just started. Close enough. Um, I'm here with uh, Ellie Steinman. 
and Chesson Meisel, the uh, writers and director of Love Virtually. I suppose I'll start with, this is a strange movie. And <laughs> I, I kind of loved it. I don't even know where to start. Where, where did the idea, of, or how did this movie get going? Because it's so strange that I can't, I, I'm trying to see who looks at this uh, script and goes, yeah, we'll make that because it seems so odd. And And fun movies like that don't typically get made. Right. So, so the I'll answer the I'll answer the the second question, then I'll let Cheston take the first question, uh, or the uh, the second observation, and then you can take the first question. Yeah, it, the script was very odd. There wasn't really any gatekeeping in order to make it. I mean, this was like a home movie. We made it our like completely ourselves. There was no asking permission or like, what do you think of it? It was just kind of like, all right, we have a script. Let's let's just go shoot it you know, in a combination of houses and basements. And, and so, yeah, it really was just like a small little indie project that we did ourselves. So, um, yeah, I don't think any studio or any production company would have made it if we had sent out the script. It was just like, a let's just do it ourselves. Um, and then the the origin of it, Cheston, do you want to take the... Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's one thing I like to say is necessity is the mother of invention. So when you look at something like this, you know, we had, it was about a month into COVID. Um, Ellie was in uh, in Florida at the time I was in LA and we started talking and he, you know, he was itching to make a movie and we started brainstorming. And, but when we started brainstorming the parameters for what can you make um, without a huge amount of money and what can you make during a global pandemic? At that time, we didn't know what was going to be possible. We didn't know if it was going to be six months, a year of lockdown. We didn't know if Hollywood were open, we didn't know if we we're going to be filming this on Zoom screens and with iPhones or if we're going to actually be able to do real production, which thank God we were able to. Fortunately, uh, things opened up enough, but we we're still shot under crazy conditions. So we set out to write something that could be filmed with no more than two people in a room at any time. There were a couple scenes that were filmed a year and a half later that had multiple people in it, but the original script that was part of it. And, you know, once we kind of got into these absurd relationships that are online, which lends itself to this kind of thing, Ellie was insistent that all these couples have to come together. But how do they all come together? The only way they could all come together would be in VR or in a Zoom chat or something like that. So ultimately, all sort of the bizarre aspects really born out of the fact and the limitations that COVID created and our anticipation of how could we fit something around the impossibility of making a movie at that time. One of my favorite kind of threads, because this cast kind of like a Magnolia sort of thing where you got a bunch of different stories yeah. that all come together. Um, I, I would also say that, uh, hey, what if Ready Player One was good? Um, but <laughs> you have uh, uh, Sherry O'Terry and Steve Tupolowski's story reminded me of a certain song, and I really love how that played together. Is that uh, would that be the inspiration of that whole thing? Um, you know, it's funny. I, I I've definitely heard that you know talked about the Pina Colada song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I def I've definitely like heard it. It's it's an iconic song. I don't think it occurred to me that that's what that song was about until after we shot this, and the people were like, oh, it's like the Pina Colada song. I was like. Is that what that song is about? And uh, so it wasn't necessarily like a direct inspiration, but yeah, it's it's exactly like it's 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 ripped from that from uh, from that idea. Yeah, but the, I think there's more to uh, there's a little more to like yes, but what is that idea in today's world? And it's exactly. a matter of 
like people get into relationships and you get into sort of like patterns and habits in your relationships, but you don't really see who's in front of you. And, you know, you're, you're connecting on a certain level, but you're connecting based on, you know, all the baggage that's built up and things like that, as opposed to necessarily what is there between two people. And sometimes you have to take away all the things that, um, you know, we've kind of get stuck with in order to see maybe the, the connection was there all along. And, and, and that's kind of, you know, uh, one of the themes in the movie is like, what, how do we connect and, and, and what is real connection, especially when technology enters the mix? Yeah. And, and I think you uh, explored that quite well, along with all the other storylines. What, what's kind of the writing process between the two of you as you're going through this? Like, do you just have like a broad idea of the of the certain thread and how, how can what if this happened? What if this happened? Or like, how, how do you add ideas and what, what do you take from that? Like that that might be too much or not work or however that works. It evolved a bit, but it really was. I don't remember. What was the first? The first one was like the sandbagging story. Yeah, yeah the, the first, first one was the idea of the reverse catfish because I just that seemed very like funny and absurd that like beautiful people would make themselves not so attractive so as not to be you know desired for superficial reasons. Um, and and I just thought you know that was kind of we just really kind of looking at the absurdity of things and that seemed like it was an interesting story but that wasn't enough to make the whole movie. So then we're like, okay, well, what about this other absurd aspect? And some of these storylines came from headlines, which were before their time. I remember reading a, an article about a woman who was attaching an emotional connection to a chatbot. And that was before now with AI, the way it is with ChatGPT. These were like very rudimentary ones. Um, but, you know, it, but, you know it, it was something that was actually starting to happen. And so I think we just drew from those things and then, really talked through each of the storylines and figured out what the connective tissue could be. And, you know, there's, we're writing across the country from one another using online tools. It was very much a uh, writing process for today's day and age. Yeah. And what about like, um, this is a comedy, how much, like, I mean, the, the one part that stands out was, Oh, I'm going to smash that like button. Like, is stuff like that on the page or is there uh, some latitude for just kind of coming up with actors coming up with stuff on the on the spot? Um, a combination. I think I'm going to smash that like button was in the script, I think. Might not yeah, have been. That was yeah, that was one yeah, that was. But a lot of the ones were. Um, the stuff that uh, Roddy played by Peter Gilroy, a lot of his stuff. And that was one of the reasons I, I, I wanted to hire him. Um, he ad-libbed a ton so a lot of his a lot of his stuff is ad-libbed sherry and steven did some ad-libbing but a lot of that stuff was on the you know a lot of their stuff was on the page it, it was all pretty like tightly structured uh and we you know the process was more like all right let's get everything on the page aside from peter who kind of like really did his own thing which made it very challenging in the edit because everyone's shooting up against blank screens essentially and working off of performances that are shot weeks apart so that was challenging kind of cutting it together but for the most part um yeah we, we stuck to the script and then would do like ad lib takes after the fact to see if we, we got some gold but yeah we wanted to keep the structure pretty tight for the most part you just like uh you just shoot it like let's just shoot how it's written and then we'll ground yeah, it and then, or... and then let's play let's let's do one where it's just let's you know I wanted to give actors an opportunity to do that. Some took advantage of that. Some were like, "This works. Let's let's keep it." But yeah, there's a, there's definitely there's definitely some ad libbing ad libbing in there uh, throughout the movie. 
And what about like the special effects? Because like there's a lot of animation in this, obviously, given the what the movie's about. But it's also an indie movie. So like what kind of challenges did you guys have with that? Because I imagine there'd be more than one challenge it presented to you. I was going to say the animation, we kind of figured out how to put together with bubblegum and band-aids ourselves and then find someone who could actually make it look good. Um, so we actually were, I, I had Ellie in my basement in a uh, mocap suit and I'm, ha you know, messing around on a computer, not knowing what I'm doing, but somehow we managed to animate at least the initial 30 something uh, animated scenes. And we found some great guys who helped, you know, help really clean it up and make it look good. But in terms of the VFX shot outside shots outside of the animation, there were like 600 shots, one VFX artist who worked on it for a couple over two years. It was really a mom pop kind of uh, a production. Oh, wow. So who is this? Uh, who is this warrior? <laughs> because that, that sounds insane. Ken O'Donnell. Yeah, he was the, the MVP. He put in a lot of a lot of hours. There was there was a ton a ton of VFX in there. A lot of hidden VFX also, just with screen in terms of screen replacements. And I mean, there's just so much stuff in there. But yeah, it was one guy. <laughs> Basically, that a lot of the characters in this are avatars, so you can definitely get away with like you don't need Pixar level animation or Star Wars right. level animation. It's like, oh, it's a bit janky. Well, yeah, they're avatars. They're supposed yeah. to look like that. Uh, did did all, any of that come into writing this? Yeah, I mean, we even kind of we we knew that we weren't going to be able to do Pixar level animation. So even when we brought on you know the animation company to take the animation we had done and sort of do the cinematography and clean it up and do some of the facial stuff. You know, we we're like, go ahead and lean into some of the janky stuff because it was supposed to be the metaverse and the metaverse may be a little bit better than it was three years ago, but it wasn't, you know, but it wasn't intended to be some believable reality somewhere else. It was supposed to be a believable trip into the metaverse. And and I'm hoping that we managed to pull that off, especially when you see that we use some stock Mixamo characters and we did stuff we created ourselves. Some of them look better than others. And there was kind of a diversity of, the way things look, but I think that's kind of how the metaverse, you know, at least in its current iteration is, is that there's different quality avatars and, you know, some move better than others. And and I think that, you know, we tried to at least lean into that as being a reflection of what that experience is. So hopefully, it, you know, hopefully it sells. I'll end on this. Uh, we have a what's in the box segment and we have people put movies in the box that they think are underseen or maybe it's personal to them or they just think is really good and no one talks about. Is there a movie each of you would like to put in the box? Movie I'd like to put in the box. It's a good question. Um, I really like Cha Cha Real Smooth. That was that came out. Yeah, I like to plug like you know, indie filmmakers. Who, well, he's not an. I mean, he's like. I mean, he blew up. But yeah, <laughs> I thought that movie was great, and I I love the entrepreneurial spirit of it. So I'm gonna plug that one. All right, and Chesson. You know, I don't really. Uh, the truth is, Ellie's the movie buff. I don't know that I have anything to put in the box that's underseen, underappreciated. But what I'm going to do is, I'm going to bring back a really old movie that everyone should have seen, and if they haven't, because it's generationally a lot of people didn't. A month before we made this, we uh, had, and, and really, I think inspired us in setting us the moment. We had a viewing in my basement of Airplane, and oh. um, the, and and you know, that's an old classic that you know maybe the younger generation hasn't seen. We showed my uh, we showed my oldest uh, son the film, and I, I think that kind of actually got us thinking in terms of the absurdist genre and satire and things like that. So you know, it was it, it, I think it was part of the inspiration for making this film. So for that reason, uh, even though it's not you know, unseen, maybe it should be seen again. Also, uh, speaking of which, uh, Chesson, I was looking at your IMDb and you have a movie, or O-H-R. Right. 
And right. I was looking for that. I cannot find that. Is there a place that that online that that can be found, or do you just have to stumble across it at a DVD store? No, no, it's currently not on any of the platforms. Uh, maybe we'll consider putting it back out. It was in several film festivals. It's it's a it's a documentary, very moving documentary, which Ellie also helped out with in a great way. Perhaps it'll we'll we'll, find, we'll put it out on platforms, but we haven't done that as of yet. Now it's just privately. If you wanna, if you reach out to me, otherwise I'll, I'll I can send you a link and you can watch it privately. Oh, but it's not available to the public. Yeah, I'm, de I'm definitely down with that. One thing that will be available is Love Virtually on digital and on demand, November 7th. I really enjoyed the movie and congratulations to Thank both you. of you. I cannot wait to see uh, more that you do because this was very inventive and very fun to watch. Thanks so Great. much. Thank you so much. Anyone from a small town knows about small town bullshit. Whatever your business, you bet everybody knows it. You know, your dad ain't paid the mortgage on this place in some time. This place is all we got. I'll give you 72 hours or I'll pick it up at auction. <laughs> really took my room tonight. I just take what I need when I need it. A lot of money around here. If I showed you where, do you think we could work something out? I get you your 30, I keep the rest. I'm Dion. Sue. You know where you're at, honey? You're out in the middle of nowhere with two people that do nasty shit for a living. You kill people too. Sue, I promise you I don't. Where's the money? Blood on the barrel. Take my secrets to your grave. Bury you deep within my mind. Keep your distance and watch your mind. We don't play them games in the dirty side. Well, I'm here with uh, Matthew Yerby, uh, writer and director of The Dirty South. I'm looking at your IMDb, and this is kind of your coming out party. You've done uh, you've done some acting in shorts, but uh, uh, you know, I see you got a, a couple of writing projects coming up. But uh, how, how, how's this feel? This got to be pretty exciting, I think. Man, it's more than exciting. It's taken five years to get here, and you know, I started this specific screenplay back in 2017, and it did not get shot until 2022. You know, it's, it, I definitely like, I took a break from acting because I just, I knew this was the direction I wanted to go. And I didn't stop until I saw it. Yeah. I just see, see on Wikipedia, uh, based on growing up in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Yes. Um, I, I can't, I can't imagine there's many, uh, um, you know, many avenues for you to get into filmmaking from there. Like what was, what was your journey getting to this point right now? Oh man. I, you know, I studied psychology in college. I, I knew that this was something that I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be in the film industry. I started as an actor and through being an actor, I, you know, I spent five years in classes auditioning and I just knew that I would rather be the one that's actually telling the story, directing the story. And so I, I've had a mentor for about six years. I've, she has helped me with all of my writing and I've helped her produce a film just so I could learn more about it. 
and with uh, and with getting to here, I I just I knew that I got with the good I got with very good producers and we just kept casting until we actually landed on the perfect cast and that's what greenlit the film. Yeah, I mean you got Willa Willa Holland's really great in this, and you got Dermot Mulroney, Shane West, like uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it was a pretty good uh, pretty good debut, I think. Yeah, man. I but I will say it's like it you know it took five years to get them. It was just that this script probably went over a hundred rewrites, and it was because I just knew that there was more to actually flush out, and I think that's continuing to write this for four four more years just continuing to give each character a bigger arc and you know more more of a backstory more of a want and finally we were i was very fortunate enough to land on these actors you know willow was incredible she is she's such a force in this shane west is the perfect mixture of you know just brooding and very tender and then dermot moroni plays God, I mean, he's just, he's incredible and whatever you watch him in, but like, he just, he was incredible to see as just, you know, this small town man that everybody's scared of because he owns everything and he knows it. Yeah, yeah, his character, like nothing against Dermot Roney, but more so his character, like definitely wanted to punch him in the face a couple of times. So (laughs) when when a couple of people did, I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was, and it was like, I, I kept trying to think, it's like, you know, how do I make this character, you know, a bad guy, you know, because, you know, what my lead characters are doing is not such so much of a good thing. So I have to make this guy a really bad guy to make, you know, to make what they're doing seem, you know, okay. Yeah. What's a writing, pre- you said, you, you know, this went through a lot of rewrites, like what's, what's a very early version of this look like? And like, what kind of, uh, what kind of changes have you made, like, throughout the rewrite process well um one of the things was dion was much younger dion was supposed to be in his 20s as well and you know as the story continued to unfold well i just i made him older i, I made it it would be more interesting if he's been on the run for this long rather than just a few years I there was another version of the script, which I hope I'm not giving away the end right now, but in the very first version of the scripts, uh, Dion actually does perish at the end. So that's the ending was something that came into the play about a year down the line. Yeah. Uh, uh, not to uh, not to spoil anything. I'll, I'll talk around it, but I think you'll know what I'm talking about. But was the last uh, last shot was had a nod to Blue Velvet? Uh, I'm sorry. One more time. The, the the last shot of the movie. There's uh, something on the ground. Was that a nod to Blue Velvet? Uh, it not, wasn't a nod to Blue Velvet. That was actually it was something. The line of dialogue that Sue tells her father in the shed. That was something that was told to me by my father, and it's something I've always remembered. That you know, certain animals uh, will eat bones, and that was a. The last shot of the movie was a nod to that. Okay. And and what's the like? Uh, you know, it says that uh, this was uh, kind of based on uh, growing up in a small town. That I, I'm sorry, man. He had to grow up around that. <laughs> like, there's just so many horrible people around there. I was like, oh, I'm telling you, like, I 
you know, I definitely don't want to say that. That's everybody that I'm around. Like, I actually did grow up around an incredible, incredible support system. I, but where I'm from, you know, the average income is 15 grand a year. And it's, there's not really a middle class. It's just lower class and upper class. And the poor work for the rich. And that's, at the end of the day, they go to their separate sides. And it's, you know, this is just an area that I really do know. And I know that, you know, real life problems like this take place every single day. Yeah. Also like running a bar, like in a, in a town like that, you don't get a bunch of outsiders coming in. So you're, you know, the, the amount you can make definitely has a ceiling and it's a pretty low one at that. Definitely cap. And you know, that ex- especially a bar that's outside of town, you know, yeah. it's not even inside of the town. It's, it's the one where people go to. So they, you know, they get to do some shady stuff. Yeah. So now that you've been through the, you've been through the process, you've been through the, I imagine it's probably a little bit hell, a little bit, Oh, this is awesome. A little bit. What the hell did I get myself into? But like, what's some uh, stuff that you learned after going through the process of making a movie that you could probably carry forth to the next one? Uh, number one thing that I've learned is that uh, if you ask for some, if you need something, ask for it. And I, that, you know, that's always been one of the toughest things for me is to ask for help. And I feel like that's a lot of people, but I was extremely impressed with how many people were there for me whenever I just asked. Uh, you know, it was, you don't know until, until you actually ask. And a lot of, a lot more people than what you think want you to succeed. And there was, I just, that was the one thing that I've, I'll always take forward with this is that if I need something, ask for it because that's, you'd be surprised how resourceful you are when you just ask. Yeah. My, my friend Mitch Burns was doing a thing and I, you know, he had us all like help vote for him. It's like, this will be the last thing I asked for. I swear. And it's like, dude, we're helping you because we love you because yeah. you're a good guy. Whatever you need, just ask for it. That's, 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 and that's just very true. You know, it's, it's just something that, I don't feel like it comes easy to anybody, but I feel like it's it's completely vital for every filmmaker. Yeah. So uh, we we do have a uh, uh, what's in the box segment, and in the box we have people put movies that are lesser seen, um, or or maybe they're widely seen, and it's just uh, you know very personal to you. But what's a movie you would like to put into the box? Ooh. Doesn't have to be related to this one. No, it can be. Uh, it doesn't uh, have to be. It'd be whatever you like, which is a uh, it's a pretty wide berth there. So I know uh, I <laughs> it's say, like any my... movie ever made. Crap! What do I go for? <laughs> you know, the one that's uh, that I can say that I've actually like studied the most, uh, at least in recent years, is Hell or High Water. You know, I, I'm a big fan of that film. Of just, I love the anti-hero genre, and I do. I just, I love the story of, you know, just good people doing bad things uh, just for people they love. I love the simplicity of, of that movie as well. It, you know, it didn't need a lot of fancy, you know, fancy locations. It didn't need much. It just needed good actors and, um, and just awesome cars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also that actually the hell or high water actually make a great double feature for this because watching this i got like kind of like a little elements of that and like winter's bone especially winter's bone because of the the family dynamics that's in the dirty south 
Absolutely. Yeah, both of those, uh, both of those films have, I've, uh, this script has been compared to for a while. And, uh, you know, I was completely okay with that. That was exactly what the story, the kind of story that I wanted to tell, definitely for my first film. And it's just, these are films that I just, I, I really feel like people enjoy them. I know I do. And I, that's, I wanted to make a film about family, you know, a film that actually just shows that family has always got your back. It doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter what they've done. Whenever the shit hits the fan, your family's there. Yeah. Is it, is it like, uh, is this kind of a lane you want to stay with as far as the, uh, the, the genre, or do you want to like maybe do like a B horror movie or a romantic comedy or action movie? Like what, what, what do you kind of want to do in the future? You know, like, uh, I'm almost, uh, done with another first draft of it's actually a holiday thriller that I'm doing but I really do love the thriller genre um, it's a film that's going to be called Christmas Eve and it is uh, but I would actually love to move into action thriller you know the further I get I do like I just I love movies that keep you on the edge of your seat I love writing for audiences to be on the edge of their seat yeah yeah so it, it's always fun like the you know, just getting the, the the action scenes and kind of the suspense, like, oh, what's going to happen? I, I think that one of the best recent examples is recent air quotes, but uh, in Glorious Bastards, that opening scene where, like, the audience knows exactly what happens. The character doesn't, and we're like, oh, oh what the hell? We, yeah. It, it, like, I've, I've, my mentor calls that reader superior. It's it's like whenever it's whenever you know something before the characters, like, I love that. I Inglorious Bastards is definitely my favorite favorite tarantino film i i love that film i think that londa is one of the best characters that has ever been in cinema history but i i do i love the suspense creating that opening scene yeah what's that like when uh when when you're uh writing like how, how do you get in the characters heads or do you just like do, do you plan out the plot or do you kind of like what what would i do if i was in this situation i'd probably say something like this or how does that usually go now, see, uh, as far as for characters, uh, I've been doing this for the last few plays that I've written, but before I, I will always outline the play first, and I will then, I will write a full page, single spaced, of each character, and I have to, I have to keep going until I fill that whole page up, because if I, if I fill every page up about my characters, and I have a structure through a outline all i have to do is sit down and the characters start talking because if i've if i've written a whole page about them i know exactly what they're going to say i know exactly why they feel this way yeah does any of that come from your acting background like had, like uh because uh, like there's some actors it's like uh uh just what's on the page show me my mark i'll say the line you hit the mark say the line but there's other actors that need to know like all this backstory about their character to really get into it Yes and no. I mean, I, I actually, I learned this from my, uh, just from my screenwriting mentor. Uh, that was, a, it was just a challenge she gave me was to actually like write an entire page about them. It's like, you'll be surprised that it's like, if you write a whole page about them, they will talk for you. It's, uh, but I, I do know what you're talking about. I, I think preparation with every actor, you know, is different. And some of them do create a backstory. Some of them just, I want the mark and I just want to be here and listen. And but for me with writing, I definitely, I think it's always best to know this character from top to bottom, good and bad, because it is important. We flaw every one of our characters, like really, really like flaw him and him or her and know exactly what they need in each scene. 
Yeah. Well, Matthew, thanks for joining me today. And it's real exciting uh, seeing a new filmmaker kind of come out, come out from the woodwork. So I, I look forward to seeing what you do uh, in the future and wish you success on this and more. Uh, the Dirty South is in theaters on demand and digital November 10th in theaters. How exciting is that? Dude, it's it's very surreal right now. I, I'm, I never would have thought this when we actually started the journey that this would actually end up in theaters and we would have a black tie premiere in New York City. You know, it's just, I'm on top of the world. Yeah, well, it's great talking to you and congratulations and wish Thank you continued success. Likewise, man. Thank you.